This talk was recorded by Insight Meditation South Bay in Mountain View, California. For more talks and information, visit www.imsb.org. So I want to just say a note about this kind of Dharma untalk because it's going to be much more interactive than the typical Dharma talk. And because it's being recorded, I will repeat questions or comments. But we're going to start actually with another brief practice. So sitting in some way that's comfortable for you. And I'm just going to offer a brief guided practice and then we'll have some conversation about it. So taking a moment, allowing yourself to settle in. Seeing what you can let go of or set down, at least for now. And then in your own time, remembering a simple moment when you felt loved. And seeing if you can remember that moment in as much detail as possible. Where you were. The person expressing the love. How it felt in your body. Perhaps sensing into the expression on your face. And seeing if you can allow that moment, that feeling of being loved to expand so that you have as much a felt sense of that moment as is possible. And you may notice that your felt sense is very small or subtle. Or you may be surprised by how large and intense it is as you recall it. However it is in this moment is absolutely fine Just breathing and allowing to the extent you're able this feeling of being loved. Letting this moment remind you that no matter what you tell yourself, you are worthy and deserving of love.
now taking a moment and sending kind wishes to the person that you remembered that was present in this moment. So you may have phrases of your own that you like to use. And if not, perhaps just saying to this person, may you be happy. May you be peaceful and at ease. May you be filled with joy. May you experience love. And see if you can let the sense of love between you and the person you remembered, expand. And now offering the same wishes to yourself. So wishing for yourself, may I be happy May I be peaceful and at ease. May I experience love. And starting from this space of loving kindness, however it's showing up for you in this moment, I want you to bring to mind a trait or characteristic of yours that you dislike, only one. And I want you to see yourself in a moment where you're gripped by or possessed by this particular trait. Noticing how you sound Noticing how your body feels and behaves. Noticing your facial expression.
perhaps noticing the thoughts and the feelings that arise when you're gripped and possessed by this trait. And now, drawing on the previous feeling of loving-kindness, as hokey as it may sound, offering kind wishes to this trait or characteristic. May my anger be happy. May my arrogance be peaceful and at ease. May my judgment be filled with joy. May my fear experience love. Just playing with sending this particular trait or characteristic kind wishes. And you can use whatever phrases come to mind and heart. Simply allowing your experience to be as it is. And then when you're ready, once more, offering your whole self the loving-kindness wishes that you have chosen. And then taking a moment before we close to offer those same wishes to all beings with all their traits and characteristics. May all beings be happy. May all beings be peaceful and at ease. May all beings be filled with joy. May all beings experience love.
So moving into the Dharma untalk, I'm curious how that was for you. So anybody want to share? What did you notice? What came up? Yeah, so this is this is a different way of relating to those traits because what do we usually do with those traits? Judge them. Push them away. Push them away. What else? Criticize them. Believe how do you mean believe them? Okay, so like take it personally and think that's who we are. Absolutely. Yeah, and shame and guilt. We left those out. And, you know, my own experience is that it's those traits that need our love and compassion the most. Because the, the ones that we feel really great about, those traits and characteristics that we feel really great about, they get plenty of love and compassion, right? So they're not shortchanged and kind of ostracized in the same way. Who struggled with the practice? So kind of one at a time, you're all kind of hiding in the back in a row going this way. So we'll start with you. Yeah. Okay, so just a couple things. Using the dog is fine. So you can like let all the, the judgment about that go and um, like sort of my humble apologies because often, I mean, I made this practice short because we already sat, but often when I teach, I give much longer instructions for how to choose the moment. And I do include pets. And pets are great because um, they're typically um, either emotionally neutral or emotionally positive. And most people in our life don't always fit that category. So, yeah, and if that's the way, I think what I'd say for you is two things. If that's where you are, great. And I'd stretch, you know, just the smallest amount to see if, you know, because the other thing that we do with this practice is we think um, the moment has to be big or extraordinary or, you know, like you're mother kissing you at your wedding or so, you know something like that and um, you know probably one of the sweetest loving and I wish it was mine but I'm stealing it from someone else um, sweetest loving kindness moment memories that I've ever heard what is a friend of mine who was hiking in the Himalayas and he just met eyes with a woman coming the other way and there was just this profound sense of feeling you know loved and and seen and the kind of like the dog there was not a lot of baggage so um, you know but start looking for those moments and start seeing if you can let just a little bit in and you know honor the truth that love is messy I mean the way we do it as human beings and since we're human beings you know I don't know a way around that I think you were next
Yeah, and I think, you know, those things that we say, like, I have, you know, I have trouble with feelings in general. It's like, can you send that some loving kindness? May my difficulties with feelings be happy. Um, may it be peaceful and at ease. Like, can I have, can I acknowledge what's so? Can I have some peace and ease about it? And can I stretch just a little, you know, it's like kind of loving kindness yoga. You don't want to pull a hamstring. <laughs> but at the same time, you want to, you do want to extend your limits. And your limits from day to day and moment to moment are different. You know, and so if you've had a really emotionally charged day for you and you're feeling pretty vulnerable, then, you know, it's this much. And if you've had not such a challenging day, maybe it's this much. But just playing with this idea of actually, I mean, it is to me like physical stretching. It has that feel of like, I can go this far and I can stay here. Uh, That's a little too much. You know, I'm going to back off and just, you know, doing it really gently. The person next to you and then you'll be after him. (laughs) Yeah, and again, some, like, just some softening around it and some sense of humor. And for that particular one, I'd bring some, like, playful curiosity to like what's actually going on in the in the trouble getting to bed like what am i telling myself you know i deserve to stay up and watch letterman or you know i have to get something done or my sense is that there's some traits there's some habits underneath there that would be useful to explore with some kindness and curiosity Go ahead. And it's totally fine for you to say no. And I feel like I'm going to respond more usefully if you can name the trait and absolutely no obligation. So just take a moment and choose. And if you don't want to do it now, we can do it in private after. Like I want to give you space to work with this in a way that feels safe. So just take a moment and... Okay, so um, give me a minute then, based on what you've said, to um, respond to the group. I think based on what you've shared, my my invitation would be, because I'm sure you're not speaking only for you, I'm sure there's other people in the room who have, if not exactly the same, similar experiences. So I would start looking at the layer that feels workable. And I would, it's, it's almost the same answer as I gave him, which is I'd look underneath the, the thing that you're calling the, the primary trait to see kind of what's the impulse, what's the distortion, what's the hope or the need that it's trying to meet, and bringing some compassion and kindness to that. Because 
most of our traits are um, like they're developed when we're young for for a reason and they in whatever setting we grew up in or whatever they served us they served a purpose even if they didn't do it well or whatever they served a purpose you know now most days at least we're grown-ups um and we have other we have other choices we have other options and though you know we can maybe meet those needs or um serve those purposes in other ways and and it's but it's become a habit so i look underneath for what was the need or the purpose or the whatever that it and bring some compassion to that so i want to talk now about and i don't mean i'm going to talk i mean we're going to talk <laughs> um about like how this practice of giving love and compassion to those traits of ours that we dislike how does that influence how how we interact and our ability to give love and kindness to others so what's people's sense of that go ahead yeah and i think there's something again about there's something about our culture that makes us think that our loving moments need to be you know worthy of a hallmark card or whatever and i think it helps for us to to recognize those really small moments and i think what makes your particular moment that you're describing distinct is that there was some part of you that was expecting some other response like you shouldn't have done that and so to then have it be um be loving instead like i don't know somehow magnifies it in some way and makes it bigger because you were expecting something else so i want to talk a little bit now about self compassion and the components of self compassion which to a certain extent we've already mostly done which is um there are kristen neff and some of you may have read her or seen her ted talk or whatever um defines self compassion and it has three components so one is mindfulness i'm going to trust that most of you um you know have some experience with that the next one is self kindness and that really has to do to a certain extent with what we've been talking about but particularly in times when we're struggling or we feel we're failing or we feel we're coming up short to bring some kindness to ourselves and we'll come back to kind of the implications of that in a minute and the third um component is common humanity and when kristen's talking about it in terms of common humanity she really means to, for us to remember when we're struggling that we're not the only ones and that it's part of being human and we all struggle and we're not alone and we're not unique in that way that we're having difficulties but i think for me when i think cuz the title of the talk is something about the bidirectional nature of compassion that piece of the common humanity is what for me starts the bidirectional thing because the common humanity allows me to be more compassionate with myself 
recognizing that it's common, like what I'm going through is common human experience. But it also allows me to be more compassionate with others because when you start recognizing that it's the common human experience, I don't know, just in and of itself, for me, that evokes compassion. It's hard not to be compassionate when you realize that we're all at least sometimes walking around and probably more often than we admit, you know, feeling like we're failing and insecure and all those kinds of things. And I want to say a little bit about Kristen's idea of self-compassion as um, compared to self-esteem. So the interesting thing about self-esteem is that it's often based on, you know, our perceived sense of success or failure, and it's often based on comparison. So I have high self-esteem if I feel successful, and I probably have even higher self-esteem if I feel more successful than you. I mean, there was the self-esteem movement, and now, for those of you who are you know, like, like to read the literature and stuff, we're seeing kind of the downside of the self-esteem movement. And one of the things about the self-esteem movement is it, it completely fails us when we feel that we have failed. It, it, there's nothing there to support us in that moment. And so that's what makes uh, self-compassion distinct, is that it's, it's, it's there exactly for when we fail and feel we fall short. It's like, yeah, you're having a tough day. It didn't go the way you thought it would. And so I think it's just helpful to remember those distinctions why do we beat ourselves up? Yeah. Yeah. So um, somehow, somehow we got taught that there's juice in blame, like blaming others or blaming ourselves. And I think sometimes the it comes down to like we think that that's going to be motivating. You know, like if we blame ourselves, it will be motivating or if we blame someone else enough or loud enough or whatever it is, then, you know, they'll be motivated. But and this is a place where there's starting actually to be some data. The data shows that when we're in blame, in the blame mode, like either when we're blaming ourselves or blaming others, that then we go into fight or flight, fight, fight or freeze, but that then we're not you know, that's the kind of the antithesis of motivation and creativity and problem solving and that type of stuff. So it just helps to, but I think we we feel, because it's kind of how we were taught, that somehow self-criticism is going to be what motivates us to become better, whatever that means. <laughs> it's almost virtuous. Yeah, vir- I mean, yeah, we do feel it's virtuous. Right. Yeah. I also wanted to go back to something you said and actually correct my how I led the meditation. Because I made an interesting slip, which I decided was fine in the moment. But I do want to correct it now, which is, you know, I said, may my judgment be happy. And usually the way I actually say it is may judgment be happy. Because it's not mine. You know, it occasionally moves across my landscape, but it's not, you know, and it occasionally moves across other people's landscape, but it's not, it's not my judgment. And 
I think when we can take it less personally, it's easier actually to soften around it. You had your hand up. Yeah, I have to say, I think my, um, for me, my, you know, the point where those things became intertwined, the external standards and the internal standards, was so young that I'm still pulling threads for sure on that one. Yeah, so, I mean, and this, I maybe will close with this actually, I mean, this is part of the reason actually that I'm teaching to children and to teenagers is because I'd much rather for people to learn these skills when they're 10 than when they're 40. But when I talk to them, and I want to kind of leave you with this phrase and kind of tie it into everything else, we spend a chunk of time talking about what I call unkind mind. And that's all the negative internal chatter, which probably, you know, at least for me long, long ago, came from negative external chatter. But, you know, now I can do a pretty good job on my own. So, but it's like if you can recognize when unkind mind begins and bring some love and kindness and sense of humor to to your unkind mind, then maybe it doesn't take hold in the same way. And it, it leaves us with more space for ourselves and more space for others. So any last questions or comments? Right. And that comes back to kind of what Sharon was saying about, you know, can you hold your anger with, you know, with the love and compassion of a, of a mother? Because we're all imperfect, then we were all imperfectly mothered and fathered. And so we need to do a little bit of that for ourselves or a lot of that for ourselves. And it's, you know, it's a practice to notice when you're being unkind and to choose, you know, to choose kindness to the extent that you can and to have some kindness for the times when you don't. Go ahead. Yeah. So let's take just a moment and sit, and I'll ring the bell in just a minute. And then for people who want to chat after, I'll be here after. Thank you all. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.